Yes, people, we are here this week's Echo Chamber, and we are starting off as we do with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 19th to the 21st of November. People, at number 10. This week, we have got the Adams Family. All right, so this is from uh, Greg Terman and Conrad Vernon. All right, at number nine, it's Ron's Gone Wrong. The, uh, yeah, I, I, I think if you like the Mitchells be the world, um, you would definitely enjoy Ron's Gone Run, and it's from Sarah Smith, Jean-Philippe Vine, and Octavio E. Rodriguez, which then means at number eight, people, we have got Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and this was from Andy Circus. Right, so at number seven, it is Spencer, which uh, you know, we looked at like Ron, we looked at this during the uh London Film Festival, and it's from uh Pablo Lorenzo, um, which then means at number six, it's another sequel, it's the Boss Baby 2 family business and this is from tom mcgruff right so that people takes us in to our top five at number five another bfi one it is king richard from um renardo marcus green you know the big will smith vehicle here all right so at number four ah this was a great one it is denny's villeneuve's june um <coughs> oh my god excuse me people you know we had timothy Charlemagne, the paul atreides rebecca ferguson is his mother Jessica, Oscar Isaac as his dad, Duke Lido Traces, and uh, many more in a stellar assembly class. At number three, we have got No Time to Die, right? Corey Jury Famija, he's a Bond film with Daniel Craig in his last outing as a James at number two it's the new mcu entry it is eternals from uh, chloe zayu right big another big blockbuster here with a very good cast you know Gemma khan richard madden angelina jolie salma hayek kit harrington come on Najiri. you know what i mean Start, and that means at number one. In at number one this week, we have got another another entry in a big franchise. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
Yes. So this is a direct sequel, I believe, to Ghostbusters 2. And it's directed by Jason Reitman. We have Finn um, Wolfhard, uh, Mackenzie Grace, Carrie Khan, Sigourney Weaver, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Emil Hudson, Logan Kim. Boy. Yes, yes, yes. So, people, are you afraid of them ghosts? <laughs> okay, so, yo, this, we've got uh, another big episode. So, right here, right now, we have four. Oh, I think we have five reviews for you. But we've also got a part two, two, two. So, people, before we get to that, let's get to this and let's get it popping with some reviews. All right, let's go. Okay, people, let's get this popping with our first kids' film and only kids' film of this episode. It is Christmas Thieves. Okay, people, so Christmas Thieves. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is uh, one of your Christmas movies, obviously. I think you can tell from the title. And I'm going to try and keep this very PC um, and short because there's a lot that could be said. But I think when you take a step back, and uh, yeah, we, we can look at it in different ways. Okay, so it is a new film directed by Francesco Sinquimani. Uh, it is written by uh, Mario Bellina, uh, Fernando Del Omo, Andrea Fazzini, and Andrea Iro. Ira Volino, who um, also kind of came up with the story. So um, we then have got Ricard, Ricardo Di Pasquella as the producer. Um, Andrea Ivanino is an executive producer. So is Andrea Zaz Zuzo. Uh, the music is from Vittorio Cianelli. Cinematography is Patrizio Patrizzi. It's edited by Granzinio Falazone. Uh, yeah. And our cast, we have got Michael Madsen. Um, his wife, Emma, is played by Katie McGovern. They have two children, Liam, played by Lorenzo McGovern Zaney, and Olivia, who's played by Mia McGovern Zaney. So, uh, you know, I guess, I guess that helps with chemistry, having your kids in it. 
Um, we then have got our two felons, Frank, played by Tom Arnold, and Peter, played by Douglas Dean. Um, Sharon is played by Esmeralda Cepeda. Uh, Officer Murphy is Mark Thompson Ashworth. Yeah, that's it. And the gist of the story. Okay, so it follows Frank and Vince. After a robbery goes wrong, they break into a home to avoid the cops when eight-year-old Liam and four-year-old Olivia mistake them for their babysitters, hoping to make the children fall asleep so they can make their final getaway, Frank begins to read them stories from a magic book that he grabbed during the robbery, taking them to Enchanted World, taking them to the Enchanted World of Arctic Friends. The two thieves have to endure the children's hijinks as they make various attempts as absurd as they are disastrous to escape. Hmm. Well, there's not really any hijinks. <laughs> and there's not really any attempts to escape. Oh, dear, oh, dear. It is uh, it's an interesting one, this. It's an interesting one. Now, I did not like it one bit, but, right, taking that step back, I think we can look at Christmas Thieves and say, I think this would work well for a young child, right? Now, I... It depends on the innocence of your child to how old you could probably get with uh, showing, right? Because, I mean, there's going to be some eight-year-olds that will just be like, nah. But then there's some that will be like, yeah, no, I'm down. I'm down with this, right? Um, but I, I, I would probably say your best bet is, hmm. Maybe five, maybe five, six might be the, the maximum age of viewing this film. I think a young kids, anything up to that, fine. It, it's no way offensive. It's not scary. So, yeah, any real young kids, I think they'll enjoy it. Now, the best part of the film is the stories. Now, it's not the reading of the stories because, whew, but it, it's the actual, it's the animation used to tell the stories because it's like this mini film within a film, right? And that, yo, that animation is really nice, right? If we just took that, right, and just made this cartoon about Arctic friends, whew, that would have been golden. Right, that really would have been golden. Now you would have had to have better people narrate those stories, but yeah, I think that would work extremely well. And because of that, right, I, I think yeah, little kids they will 
they all love it because you see these fun little characters and their adventures and everything like that. And to be honest, the majority of the film is basically that. It's basically the, this story within a story with just some other stuff around the edges. So for a little kid, I think this will work. Adults, I think ad most adults will probably hate this. <laughs> they will probably hate this so much. Now, it's, look, the film, it's 77 minutes, right? An hour and 17. So, you know, throwing your kids a bone and letting them sit through this, you can probably, you know, pass the time looking at your phone. But it, if you have to engage, right, which is a nice thing, right, engage with your kids, there's been, there, 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 look, it's terrible, but it, it's not offensive. So, you know, you'll sit there and you'll be like, okay, hey, kids, look at the story. Oh, isn't that nice? Right? You'll, you'll get by. You'll get by. And it's not too long for you to bear. <laughs> now, the weird thing is, on a, you know, on an adult point of view, there's good actors in the film, but the delivery of some of these lines, especially when they're reading the stories, right? Because you've got the two kids that, I mean, to be fair, they're not very good actors, right? We've seen great kid actors. These aren't great. Now, it could very well be the direction. You know what I mean? Kids, they do need a lot of direction. So it could definitely be that. Or maybe mommy wanted to be in a film, make a little cake. They were forced into it. Who knows? Who knows? But the delivery of these stories is so wooden. It is a little painful, right? Is a little painful. And these scenarios, scenarios don't work. Don't work, right? Now, it seems that they're living in a very small community where everyone kind of knows each other. I mean, we see the mum, who's a police officer, leave her house and straight away she's, you know, by the magician's house, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, there's not big distances here, which then would make you think everyone would know everyone, right? The police would know the babysitting company. So when they go to their police officer's house, they would understand what the situation is. If you can't tell a dude dressed up as a woman, you shouldn't be a police officer. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So there's these weird things that are going on that you're like, oh dear. I mean, and basically, from the giddy up, you know how this film is going to end. You know how it's going to end, which is just a bit like, oh, okay, all right. You know what I mean? It's not a good message. It's not a good message for kids. You know what I mean? From that respect. And they cooked a Christmas dinner so fast and made a cake, right? Made a cake, cooked a Christmas dinner in no time. Usually, right, you got to put that turkey in first thing in the morning. When I say first thing in the morning, I'm like, 
You know what I mean? Five, six, right? Five, six a.m. for that huge ass bird to cook all the way through. This, I mean, like 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes and this meal is done, which was a little crazy. You're like, damn, okay. <laughs> and uh, values, values shift so fast. So fast, so you're like, hmm, <laughs> oh, oh, is that what we're doing here? But yeah, as I said, look, so many plot holes as for an adult to, uh, you know, just basically you could fit your whole body through one of these holes. But little kids, I don't think they will see them. I don't think they will notice them. The cliches, the lazy writing, the lazy plots, they won't see it. And they probably won't notice the real wooden delivery a lot of times here. So I think a kid is unoffensive and it would work, right? But that's it. Remember, people, you got to be understanding of the innocence of your child. If your child knows everything, if your child doesn't believe in Father Christ, like, then you can't, your kid ain't enjoying this ain't enjoying this. And think to yourself, did your kid like stuff like Paddington, Peter Rabbit? If it hated those, it won't like this, right? If it loved those, it might like this, you know? So try and gauge it like that, okay? So um, Christmas Thieves. <sighs> yeah. The people that made this may have stolen our time, but <laughs> it might be a nice delivery for our little kid. All right. All right. So the first of our three horrors, we have got Puppet Killer. All right, people. So... Hey, Christmas is coming up. It's weird to say, right? But yeah, everything seems to be, you know, that whole fucking prep. Lights are going up, all of that. And all the Christmas movies are starting to come out. Now, a new entry to the ilk is Puppet Killer, right? Which you might think, hold on, Puppet Killer? A, uh, you know, a, 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 a new Christmas movie? Well, kind of, right? It is kind of framed around Christmas. So, yeah, I guess you would call it that, right? So it is a story that was created by Lisa Ovies and Kevin Mosley. Um, Ovi's then directed the film and Mosley wrote the screenplay. Our cast, we have um, Jamie, played by Alex Ponovic. Um, that's the older Jamie. We have a young Jamie, played by Jet Klein. Um, and then other two iterations of Jamie, played by Lyric Carboyles and Western Grunen, right? Uh, Jamie's dad, Richard, is, um, no, Robert, even, 
is played by uh, Jeff Gustafson. Um, Jamie's girlfriend, Jessie, is played by Elisa Durrupt. Um, we then have Jamie's friends. There is Lee, played by Kyle Cassie. And his girlfriend, Brooke, played by Gigi Saul Guerrero. Um, you've got Curtis, played by Lee Madjub. And his younger brother, Rick, played by Richard Harmon. Right, so that's our, our main group of people. Uh, there's Susan, who's played by... Ovi's herself. Um, I think that's kind of the main group, right? That's the kind of main group. And the gist of the film is, uh, well, it's, it's this, right? So for seven-year-old Jamie, Watching horror movies with his loving parents and his fuzzy pink puppet, Simon, is a beloved Christmas tradition. Unfortunately, that all ends when his mother dies of cancer and his father marries a new woman who isn't really, a, you know, that supportive of Jamie's horror obsession or his unhealthy relationship with Simon. After she mysteriously disappears from the family vacation home, Jamie starts to believe that Simon may have killed her. Ten years later, Jamie brings five of his high school friends to the family's cabin for Christmas break. All seems well until Simon is discovered in the cellar. Dum, dum, dum resurfacing Jamie's old fears, causing him and his friends to question his mental well-being. As the weekend unfolds, Jamie's friends are slaughtered one by one in ways that would make Freddie, Jason and Michael proud. Jamie must confront his childhood best friend in a bloody showdown that will push him to the brink of madness if he isn't already there yeah people so that's that's it that's puppet killer um in a gist right now it starts off but you have young jamie right young jamie and his mum is all super excited and she's just like hey let's watch our horror film and the dad's just a bit like all right i mean but isn't Jamie too young and she's like no and so they're watching all horror then she buys him this big puppet which looks a bit like uh, a Sesame Street puppet right Elmo I think is that the red one I don't know but he looks a bit like that right and um he loves the puppet he takes the puppet everywhere he talks to the puppet all of this craziness but uh, yeah, his mum dies of cancer, right? And I mean, there is a scene where they're sitting there and she coughs into her hand and it's covered in blood. Husband doesn't notice, which you're, you're kind of like, she's sitting right next to him. 
How the fuck? Like, the hand would be covered in blood. How is he not noticing that shit? It's crazy. But, yeah, unfortunately, she dies. Eventually, you know, he, he marries again. Which, again, with the way it's played, you're like, wait, what? You know, because they have an argument. Is yeah, she's not a fan. Not a fan of Jamie's puppet, his horror obsession, all of this. Which I kind of feel you would have known before you marry her, right? I'm sure there should have been signs like she feels this way before you get married. But yeah, they have an argument. She leaves, which is is an odd one. Right, because they don't live close to anything. She and you think, where the fuck is she going? Right? Shit goes south, and we then jump forward. We jump forward in time, 10 years, and you see Jamie in an office talking to a woman, and you're like, This is at school. But Jamie and all these friends are played by adults. Which, it, it takes you a minute to be like, is this school? Is this school? Is this college? Right? Because at first, I think you kind of think maybe it's a, a community type thing. Right? It's, co- it's university. Because older people can be at university. You know what I mean? Because you see younger kids in this place. And so you're like, huh, what is happening but then you figure out what they're doing and it's like okay all right let's go with it and yeah jamie invites her friends to the cabin and it's a weird one because it's only when they're there that he's like oh i had a puppet and that and you're feeling like these are best friends you kind of feel they would have at least one of them would have known this shit before this time but Everything's fine until, yeah, they go to the cellar, go into the cellar, and yet the puppet just suddenly appears, gets brought up, and that's when everything goes crazy. Now, what you kind of get is this is is kind of playing on horror tropes, right? It's kind of playing on horror tropes and that whole thing of when you have like grown people playing kids. You know what I mean? Like how many things have we seen this in? You know, it's like you think of a lot of your favorite films back in the day that were, you know, meant to be kids. And then you realize how old are people? Like even, you know, the, the shows, there wasn't many shows, you know, where they were actually young people playing young people, which is always just like, what? <laughs> so it's playing on all of that which can be look we've seen it done and it can work i think one problem here is though that they're playing it too like kids they're trying to be too much like kids rather than just playing being them Right. And I think that's the, the key for something like this. You just have to play it. Right. So, you know, like 
although I don't love Pen 13, they're not necessarily acting kiddified, right? They're just being them in this setting of kids. And that's what makes it so odd and funny at times, right? But that's not what you get here. Like, like sometimes they put on like trying to be like, oh, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you know when you're dating a chick and she tries to do that kiddie voice and you're just like, uh, no. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm not I'm not down with that. That's why I'm dating adults, you know what I mean? <laughs> Can we stop? <laughs> and yeah, so you know, it, it, it's throwing on kid voices and, and that kind of thing. And that whole, hey, chase me. Uh, it's just a bit like, Ugh. I don't know, man. I, 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 that was, that created a little bit of a disconnect for me, you know? Um, and then, I, like, because in the story itself, like, you have Curtis all the time going, hey, right? In a horror film, everyone splits up, so we don't split up. In a horror film, no one knows where the keys are. So people, the keys are in my front right pocket, okay? That's where the keys are. Or no one goes down in the cellar alone in a horror film, is you die. So there's all of these things and you think, right, it's going to play it like, hey, we got to do this because that's what they would normally do. But they don't, right? So you'll have one person go off into the woods. And you're like, but throughout the film, they've been saying, don't go do this on your own. So why are they going, like, you know what I mean? There's no reason for a lot of shit that goes down to kind of go down. Like, it's a point when they all run into a house and then for some reason, one of them goes back outside. And it was just like, there's no reason for you to go outside. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, which made it a little odd. Didn't quite, yeah, for me, it didn't quite work in that, sense you know i would say that direction wise the film looks good the film looks good and you know the shots work everything like that works there was just some disconnects in the story like i don't think we needed the twin situation right the twin situation felt like a different film kind of forced into this one. And you're like, huh. Because the setup for them doesn't play into the film in the end, right? So it's just like, why do we need, like, why did we need that if it doesn't play in? So you wonder if anything was cut out. But yeah, so you kind of wonder about that and you're like, eh, why are they here? Doesn't quite make sense. You know what I mean? And then you, you have this thing at the end. Like at the very beginning, we see one of the girls throw stuff out of a van, which you just think to yourself, 
hold on. Why would they do that? Right? If you saw Jamie do it, it might make a bit more sense. But to see this girl do it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And the fact that it's done in front of his dad, right? This whole, this thing happens in front of his dad, which that was another kind of odd thing, right? You think, why is the dad turned up in a weird hat? I don't understand what this scene is, right? Because it didn't really make any sense. But yeah, they did this thing in front of him. But then later in the film, we get this whole situation where they're saying, this happened. And you're like, yeah, we saw that happen at the beginning. And he saw it because he was standing right there. You know what I mean? So it was just like, huh? But then they don't, also, they don't really talk about it. Because I think if you talk about it at the start, you then create this whole thing of who really is it, right? And I think if things were shot slightly different, not giving too much away, there would be that, who actually did it? You know, and it, it throws that doubt, which then would make that last scene really like, oh, shit, you know? But we don't quite get that. Now, I will say, right? I think if you're a fan of, you know, the scary movies, not another teen movie films, right? And probably not the first ones, but the, the later ones, right? And we go deep into the franchise, you know, and they started to really scrape the bottom of their references and all of that. If you really enjoyed those, I think you'll enjoy this one. You know? Not to say this is terrible, but I just think you need to be able to separate yourself from a level of realism to be like, okay, yeah, 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 I, I get this. Which I understand is a film about a killer puppet. So, of course, you're separating yourself from realism. But you feel me, right? You, you have to be able to go, no, no, no. I'm not paying attention to the logic of that. I'm just down with this, right? And, and if you can, then I think Puppet, Puppet Killer will work for you, okay? But, people, it is, if y'all want to check it out, Right, if you want to add it to your Christmas time horror activities, then lucky for you is coming to all of your favorite VODs on Monday, the 29th of November. Okay, people, so uh, yeah, are you a puppet, a muppet? Do you love Christmas? <laughs> this could be for you, all right. Okay, people, so now we've got a Canadian indie one called The Streams.
Okay, so coming, well, now on Shudder is the new film from director Ryan Galava. He co-wrote it with, um, oh gosh, how do I say this? Krista Dazalaskninski. Yeah, I'm not sure if I got that right, but uh, yeah. Now they both produced the film along with Robert Menzies, um, Paul Moyer, Bruce Fleming, and Dave Conlunt. Conlon executive produced the film as well. <coughs> oh, bleh. oh, gosh, excuse me. Adrian Ellis composed the music. Uh, Glover also did the cinematography and edited the film. Uh, Kevin F. Brown, um, Donalowski were also on sound. Um, visual effects were Matthew Pella and Helen Fatch. And our cast, well, our main cast, we have Tegan Johnston, as Catherine, April, April uh, Alerno is her friend Anita, and the photographer Grace is played by Jenna Schiffer. We also have Laura Bidner, she's um, the pianist at the end. Um, we have Tara. Nevwaldon Omsky, she's the two artists at the beginning, and the physicist is played by Toby Hendy. So yeah, that's our cast. And people, the gist of the film is this. In the dead of winter, Catherine, a talented musician, who having recently broke up her successful band, travels to her aunt's remote coastal cottage to uh, work on new material and solitude. Once there, she and local photographer Grace reconnect. And while visiting an abandoned farmhouse with a disturbing past, Soon after, strange and seemingly supernatural occurrences begin to manifest at the cottage, escalating each night and dangerously eroding Catherine's sense of reality. Bum, 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 bum. So yes, that people is the uh, is the gist of the film, right? And this is pretty much a real slow burn, which is never a bad thing. But, I mean, as we open up with this weird kind of beach mountain kind of sequence with someone just walking, then we kind of go to Catherine getting a tattoo. Which is never really explained if the tattoo had any meaning to her or like what it is. 
right? We then see her taking off. So she drives, gets to this cottage. And like one thing I find odd, right? I mean, if you go to a new spot, we see her go into a couple of rooms. But that's it. But that's it. She makes note of, oh, and I've got a basement, but never goes to look in the basement. Right. And you kind of think if someone, yeah, you explore it, right? You would explore the whole place. But yeah, she she turns up here and you know, we see her FaceTime with her friend, Anita. And you get the sense that there's been some sort of split up because, you know, we also see on the journey, she calls a guy, calls a guy. And it, yeah, it was a very awkward conversation. But it's not until, right, I think it was an interview that she's doing. No, she was actually speaking to her manager that you're like, hmm, OK, right, because. You then start to find out, oh, she, a band has split up and now she's writing solo. OK, so this dude she spoke to at the start was part of this band. And, and there's all this stuff that you're like, huh, all right. Well, I guess that explains her going to this cabin and having all the keyboards in the floor studio, as her friend Anita would call it. Right, but this is all stuff that we have no clue about. It's not mentioned until this moment, which is a little bit odd, right? It's a little bit odd because with that knowledge, you understand a lot about why she's there, what she's doing, what she could be looking for. There's, we don't, I don't know, there was, there's no real empathy with Catherine because we know nothing about her. There, there's nothing to latch onto. There's nothing to care about, in essence, right? We also have, there's a few scenes of her sitting in the shower or sitting in the bath, which don't do anything. Right, there's no, like, it's not like she's sitting in the bath pondering into herself or crying or just, it's just, we see her sitting in the bath. I think one time she's smoking in the bath, but that's it. And you're just like, um, why have these scenes? Right? Why have they, now they're not exploitative scenes or anything like that. But yeah, it's weird. Now, there is a scene towards the end of the film where she takes a shower outside, which is just like in the snow. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah, that must be some cold shit, right? Um, now, during the day when it's a bit warmer, it makes a bit more sense. But still, it's a bit like uh, maybe not the time of year. But in that scene, we see a lot more. But it doesn't really do anything for the story. So you wonder why, why is this scene here? You know what I mean? There's the, the, the other problem, I kind of think, because I do believe before she goes to the farmhouse with Grace, there is 
a few noises in the place, but she doesn't really pay them any mind. And I guess, you know, at that point, there is no real need to. But, yeah, at the at the farmhouse, yes, no, there's definitely stuff because at the farmhouse, you, you're wondering. Because you're, you're taking a look at stuff and I swear I saw a chair move. You, I swear you see a shadow. Now, it's hard to, t like, I found it difficult trying to look for some of these things just because, you know, can't see for shit, right? So there may have been a few more clues sprinkled um, in some of the sections of the film. But, yeah, we, we see this stuff. And when she notices something, I think, I see her write an email. I didn't. I couldn't see what the email said, but later in the film, it is referenced that she did send an email about something she saw. And then a lot of weird things happen, but she does nothing, which does seem it seems weird. But you think at first, right? You could think. Oh, am I drinking too much? Is it is it this? But when it happens again and again and again, and some other shit goes down, yeah, I'd think someone would do something. You know, I think she tells Anita some stuff, but nothing too crazy. And and you'd be like, you'd either leave. Right, so she knows this girl, Grace. So it'd be like, can I stay at yours? Can you stay at mine? Like, but leave. You know, because this is the thing. From the sounds of it, the band is very successful, right? To have a manager, to be hit up, to do interviews all the time and all of this kind of stuff. You would think, yeah, she, she's pretty pop. Like, she's, a, rem like, if not, crazy famous there is a celebrity there so she might have a few ducats to her name so you'd be like couldn't she just get a hotel or or something even if it's not a great one stay somewhere other than the fucking house but it's never there's a weird incident on the beach but nothing nothing is said which again it seems odd that you'd feel to be a hello or what the fuck are you doing? You following me? Like, what the fuck's going down? Like, something, but there's just little to no reaction. So, that part of the film doesn't really work for me, right? I just see, like, you need something to build up this character for you to really emphasize and care for her right but we don't get that now what the film does really well is the motherfucking creepy shit right because it's just the sounds right the ambiance they create that oh my gosh so well right i'm just sitting on the edge of my motherfucking seat just like all right what the fuck just happened i swear something just moved did something move? I heard something. What's going on? Wait, what's that? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that was great. 
they did a superb job on that aspect of the film. Right. So and the music isn't bad. Right. I, I do believe Catherine Teagan is a she's an artist in her own right. Right. So, um, yeah, the music of the film isn't bad. It did kind of remind me of Emily Haynes solo stuff. You know, Emily Haynes, lead singer, the female vocalist of Metric, which are, you know, great dead disco, Monster Hospital. You know what I mean? Just all them great tracks, people. Whew. Um, and it did, it reminded me of her solo stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I did wonder if she may have written for the for the thing, but I don't believe she did. But yeah, no. So there's parts of this film that work very well, and others which you're not quite sure there's a, a clarity to them. Which is a shame. Because as I said, look, the suspense and everything. Oh, very good. And there's a thing that happens at the end that then doesn't get referenced unless it's referenced in the song, which again, very vague, right? So you're just like, what's happening here? Like, what, huh? What? So yeah, I don't, I think the strings is going to be um, one of those divisive films. I think it's gonna work for a load of people and not quite work for others, you know? But if you wanna check it out, you know, then Shudder is a place for you. It's a new Shudder original. So people get on the platform and uh, yeah, give it a go. It's also a code in the information of the episode, which will give you a 14-day trial. So, uh, yeah. Why don't you see if the strings plays the right note for you? Okay, people, and our last horror is Autumn Road. Okay, people, so there's a new horror flick coming to uh, your small screens, right? And it is called Autumn Road. Now, this is written and directed by Riley Kuzik. Yep. Um, it's produced by Xander uh, McCabe through his last motel um, production company, right? Uh, it is executive produced by Eric Floyd and Mark Schultz with some help from Alejandro Rios. The music is from Brandon Potal. Cinematography is Carson Bailey. Uh, Bailey also handles the editing. Andrea Zuniga is production design. Makeup is Sarah Brill and Samantha McDaniel. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's most of the uh, roles right there. Now, our cast. Right, so 
let's start off with young Winnie, who is played by Maddie Lee Hendricks. Then young Charlie is played by Ranger Learway. And young Vincent. <coughs> oh dear, Pyrie. Is Jonas Leeway. Right. Um, their dad, Henry, is played by Justin Meeks. Then we have the older Charlie and Vincent, both played by Riley Kuzik. Um, Winnie's sister, Laura, is played by Laurelel Linklater. We have Kennedy, played by La, pa La Park Lincoln. Um, Molly, played by Jordan Wright. Lou, who runs the, uh, the, the calf. She's played by Kerry McCormick. Um, then there is Hunter, who is played by George Welder. Um... I think that's uh, that's the gist of it. Hunter's friend is played by Kenneth Fisher. Um, yeah, and oh, Jack is played by Buddy Love. Yes. So uh, yeah, that's um, that's cast. Now the gist of the film, people, is this: ten years. After a young girl goes missing on Halloween night, her grief-ridden sister returns to their hometown to make peace with her unsolved past. Along the way, she becomes entangled with two indiscrescent identical twins from her childhood who now run the town's roadside haunted house. With nowhere else to go, she is drawn deeper and deeper into the world of scares, secrets, and enchanting house of horrors. While one twin pulls her closer, the other's threats and scare tactics escalate to a breaking point where he must decide what lines he's willing to cross. At the same time, her connection with her sister is growing as she starts to unearth new information about who she was and what happened that night all those years ago. The three haunted souls soon find themselves on a melancholic journey for truth set against the backdrop of an approaching Halloween season and the anniversary of her sister's disappearance. Yeah, that's a little weird. Because that's not really what went down. Ha! Huh. I wonder who the fuck wrote that. That's that's odd. Right? I say that because, you know, the film starts off and we have, we hear someone talking about haunted houses, scares, bumps in the night. Right? Then we kind of cut to... That same talk, that same conversation, but it's Henry talking to his kids and some staff, right? It's because he runs the local haunted house, 
It's Halloween. So, yeah, everything's like that. Now, he's got two kids and um, young Winnie, who's a regular at the house. She's over, but she hangs out with the two boys. Now, one of the boys, Charlie, he doesn't really want to get involved this year, right? Uh, we hear that his brother, he likes Winnie, and so he's told Charlie to back off because she likes Charlie. But, you know, young love and whatnot. And, um, yeah, things move in directions before we then jump. Before we then jump forward in time. Um, now, one thing, right, I, I, I did find a little odd. I think there's a, a, a fun story here. But some of the execution doesn't quite work, right? Now, from what I know, everyone with an allergy, they let you know. And especially with kids. There's, uh, yeah, as a growing up, I remember there was a kid that had a bad allergy. And you knew, right? It, it was a thing. You didn't, no one didn't know. But also, you know what to do if something happens, right? It's like go get the go get the, the parent or speak to an adult because they will have a EpiPen and call, you know, hospital, right? It, it, it's steps. There's steps. You know this, so it does make a situation a little bit odd in how it all played out, right? But we're in the future. And yeah, the boys now run the the haunted house. But it seems to be this bigger thing because there's a fun fair there and just all this stuff. But while Charlie, you know, he seems the more grounded and Vincent is odd. Vincent is very odd. So we have that. We also then, we, we cut to a girl. She's auditioning for a play, a film. And uh, the audition, he, I mean, it's not the worst audition I've ever seen. You know, but she feels it went terribly. Um, goes home, she's talking to her friend. And her friend's like, yo, we should just make a film together it's like a friend acts as well and she's like ah you find it a lot easier you get roles a lot easier right but a friend's like yo let's just make something ourselves right it was then odd how she handled a phone call which she didn't even know what the phone call was that was a crazy thing it'd be like yo don't you want to know what that is before you but hey ho um, now, they've got plans, all of this, but again, something goes amiss, which, which is the thing that sends her home, right? She doesn't go home, but she's just like, oh, it's the anniversary of my dead sister, missing sister even. You know, she goes home because something's happened, and it's just like, yeah, she's kind of in shock. She doesn't know what to do. That's why she goes home. 
right? And yeah, it's a little, just then what we see her do when she's home, right? Because she's hanging out with, you know, the twins rather than anything else. Uh, I mean, she meets him at the cafe where he works as well, because he works at a cafe too, which you get because haunted houses, they're seasonal. <laughs> so you, you would need another job, right? So it like all of this, it makes sense. The story makes sense to an extent. But there are just these things in it that don't really work, right? There's one point when um, two people are talking, like one knocks at the door, the other one comes out, shuts the door. They're talking. And then you hear someone say, hey, come in, come in. You're letting a draft in. And it's just like, you shut the door. Like, no draft can come into your house because you've shut the door. Unless you've got really shitty installation, man. Like, what are you talking about? This is bizarre. You know? There's, so there's all of this, Right? I, I didn't, it's a weird one, because the acting isn't terrible, but I don't believe a lot of the emotion that is meant to be there, right, there's, like, there's a lot of places where there's meant to be this remorse, this sadness, but it, it doesn't read, you don't, I, for me, I didn't feel that the, the, like, the characters in these situations were going through anything or had any fears or anything like that. It was, a, it was an odd, it was an odd one, right? You know what I mean? Because, look, if, if some of the things that happened to these motherfuckers happened to anyone else, like, you'd, you'd be seeing some other shit, right? You'd be seeing some other shit now, right? Uh, the remorse doesn't have to be there, but then you have to have them act in it. Like the script has to be something else, but the way the script is playing, right? There, there is meant to be sadness, remorse, you know, fear, regret. Like it's, it's meant to be in some of these scenes, but it just isn't. Right, it just isn't, which does make things a little bit odd. A little bit odd, I ain't gonna lie. Right, so there is that. Um, you know, there, there's a one point there's this talk of like, oh, evil and good, right? Am I a good person? Am I an evil person? And it's just like, you're not good. Right? Come on, man. Like, it's not even a question. You you know what you did. Now, although you didn't do the deed, you didn't talk about it. Right? You know that's not good. I mean, it's weird. Like, it's weird. Right? We get an American History X situation, which, if I remember correctly, in that, Homie was held down. In this, no one's held, right? So I would have at least, at least expected the head to move, 
You know what I mean? Try to get away, at least. But the situation in itself didn't really make any sense because it was just like, wait, why that person? Right, surely your grief is with someone else if you really know who that person is. And if not, and if you did, why not act sooner? Right, it, it was just a little bit odd. Like the friend, now that was bad acting. <laughs> the friend was was bad. But to be honest, the friend didn't have much to do in that instance. Right, so yeah, that was a whole a weird thing. You know, like the park. The park was weird because it in this scene didn't need to happen. Or like you think, if you're trying to say something, there's other ways of doing it because the way you're going, you have to divulge everything, especially if it's like, I was told not to say anything. Well, who told you not to say something, right? It was just a bit like, come on, man. Like, it, it's not like it happened yesterday. If it happened yesterday, you could understand. But when you've been sitting on these things for so long, right, you would have had to have spoken to the police, just numerous people, probably reporters. So you know how to not give your shit up by this point, right? So it just made, there, there was awkward situations, awkward conversations that you just thought, hey, that doesn't need to be there. Or doesn't feel like it would play out like that, you know? So there was all of this. And the end? The end was odd. Firstly, I'm like, I think you can, you can tell a voice, right? So the fact it was just like, they couldn't understand, the voices couldn't be distinguished was just weird. That was weird. And then it just didn't need to happen. Didn't need to happen because they, like, didn't know anything. Didn't, like, there, there was no knowledge. So it was just like, wait, why are you doing a thing when no one knows? Right? It was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. Now, maybe there were some scenes cut, right? Which would make sense with some of this, right? If there were scenes that were cut that would have made things, other bits a little bit clearer, you know? But yeah, I, I, it just got a bit messy. It just got a bit messy. And then at the very end, you're just like, why would these people be friends? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, how could there be a fucking friendship? You know what I mean? It yeah, it, it's odd. Now, as I said, look, there's a, a good idea. There is a good idea here. It's just a shame with some of the execution, you know? Some of the execution. But but you know what I mean? I, I'm just like, listen, I I do think it will. You know, it, it will work for a lot of people. 
it it's not the worst thing I've seen. You know what I mean? Um so yeah, I, I, I just like boy, I'm trying to think of stuff it's kind of like you know, because we've looked at a lot of films, <laughs> right? Um, oh, actually, actually, thinking about it, right? If you enjoyed, oh, what the fuck was that film called? Oh, um, Random Acts of Violence. Right, uh, it was on Shudder last year. I think it was on Shudder last year, right? If you enjoyed Random Acts of Violence, I think that kind of works. And or the call, right? I, I think they were stronger films, but it, it kind of works along those lines, I would say, you know. So, yeah. If you're fans of those, then I think you might be able to get down to Autumn Road. It's a shame they didn't bring it out a little earlier, you know, to really fit in with Halloween. But, hey, you know, don't have to wait to Halloween for a little scary movie, right, people? So if you're in the mood, then you might want to travel down that Autumn Road. <laughs> And our last film is a directorial debut from Halle Berry. It's Bruce.
to uh, go to um ugh, what am I saying? Uh yeah, we, we we see her in just everyday life, right? She's cleaning houses, and there's a weird incident, right? In in, in one of the things where she gets sacked because the little kid is taking pictures of her getting changed. Right now, the, the, the two things I'm thinking about this incident. Firstly, right, surely you'd show the phone to the mother and go, yo, your son is being a fucking perv, which I could go to the police about, right? So she wouldn't lose her job in that respect. The other thing is, why aren't you going into the toilets or locking a door? Like, it seemed a weird place to be changing. If you know this little fucking perv, if you know this little perv is trying to take a look, right? So, yeah, that, that, that was an odd sequence for me, right? But, you know, it, it, we're establishing she's down on her luck and all of this, right? So that, that's the thing. So we, we see all of this and then just this weird relationship with her boyfriend manager, Desi, which gotta say, like the, 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 the incident of them in the house, I, it did seem a little rapey, did seem a little rapey, right? So you can definitely understand like the, this weird cycle that she is in, right? Now, the incident that kind of helps to get her back on the map, right, with the promoters and all of that, whoo, like, it was, it was a little fun. It was a little fun. Like, I don't know if you would say Desi set it up. Now, I, I do believe he brought her with the intent that, that might get the blood pumping again. That might get her like, ooh, I wanna, yeah, I wanna get back into this shit. I do think that was probably the thing, but then what actually transpires, I don't think he set that up because that was just, that was crazy. But it, it, it was, yeah, it was funny. That, that shit. <laughs> just with everything that was said and give it out to Gabby Garcia because Gabby Gracie even because you know what I mean like some of the shit that was said is shit that's said online and you think oh that might hurt that might hurt but yo she was in you know what I mean she she rolled with it man and, and I thought that was that was great that was great but yeah we're, we're seeing this evolution in her, right, this change that she wants to make, but then all of a sudden, this kid turns up, and, like, some of the stuff with the kid, you're a bit like, I mean, I, you don't need a kid to know certain things, right, like food, and there's certain things that you'd be like, huh, Okay, but surely you know. Surely you know. So that was a little bit weird, right? Um, 
And I, I, we didn't really, I don't believe we got a real explanation for why she gave up the kid. And I don't think there was that. But it, it did add a little bit more heart to the film. I mean, it's not saying the film was terrible up to that point, but I'm just saying she but yeah, it, uh, you get situation with her and her mum, which once you find that out, I'm a bit like, we not addressing this shit? Are we not addressing this shit? Well, it was a bit of a bombshell, right? It is not maybe unexpected, but a little bit of a bombshell. You know what I mean? So that was odd. But yeah, like as the film gets more into the MMA training and everything like that, yeah, you, you get a little pumped. You get a little pumped. And um I gotta say, the the end fight. Chase, that was great. The end fight was great. Because you felt it, right? You, you like, oh, like it wasn't quite like watching an event, uh, a proper UFC Invicta event. It wasn't quite like that because you could see at some points the choreography, but it was. It did have all of those components of yeah this is a fight and the the ups and downs the ebbs and flows you mean you're ducking you're weaving you'd be like oh, so yeah oh, it's a rear naked it's a rear naked joke okay okay get it get it get it and and, and that you feel man you feel fucking pumped i did feel pumped man and the way i like the way they ended it because i'm just like you know what I mean? There's a cringy way this could end, and then there's the way they did it, right? And I was like, yeah, no, that that's the way you do this shit. And then with everything that goes down after that, whew, oh man, that get that get, that gets you, that gets you. Ain't gonna lie, right? I I, I think there was a little moisture in the old eyes. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, no, I liked, I liked that bit. That bit was handled very well. And again, I didn't mind that either, right? Because it, it, so that was good. That was good, right? That, the, you do wonder why the kid wasn't taken to therapy. I will say that, right? I will say that. Because you'd be like, all right, it, 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 knowing what the kid must have witnessed, you know what I'm saying, the therapy? Right? You're, you're not going to try and do that shit? I don't know, man. Yeah? You know what I mean? It, it felt like something that should happen. But isn't like the, the acting was decent. You know what I mean? Acting was decent. Um, I think... Barry really did show the training she has put in for this film, 
because yeah, you know, she, she trained, she trained and, and got that MMA, you know what I mean, the fundamentals down. Now, like, it was to say she could take a real fight, but you could see that she still, you know, I mean, she 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 learned the fundamentals. So that was big. And then like a lot of the other acting around her and everything like that, it was solid. It was solid, it worked, right? It worked. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, we had some good, good very good camera work, especially with the fun. I mean, like, yeah, the, like the cinematography, the, the, the feel and the tone of the film was there. Film and the tone of the film was there, right? I will say they, they she, she, you know, very did utilize mood music, did utilize mood music. And I was just like, ah, God damn it, Ali. God damn it. Why you do that? Right? Um, yeah, that was irritating. But then again, I think everyone knows I hate mute music. Right? Um, but I think it's clear to say a very good directorial debut. Right? It's not the best film in the world. Not the best film in the world. But it's decent. Right now, and when you look at, at previous MMA films, like Warrior, like it was just all those fights in one night and the beatings, it'd be like no commission would sanction that shit. Like, what are you talking about? It's not happening. That's some dumb shit. Then you have like Never Back Down, which uh... <laughs> that was like straight up MTV shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, this stacks high in the MMA films. You know what I mean? Like, Here Come the Boom might be... That was just fun. That was just fun, right? Um, but, yeah, no, enjoyed it. Definitely enjoyed it. And would recommend it to anyone who is a fan of the mixed martial arts. Yeah. Whether you watch UFC, you know what I mean? Invicta. LFA, Cage Warriors, Bellator, you know what I mean? Whichever one, whichever you watch, and I guess if you watch one, you're watching most of the others, you know what I mean? Then, uh, yeah, people, I, I think you will get a kick out of Bruise, and maybe a punch too, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yes, people, as we draw to a close on another um, and of the previous two. You'll be pleased to know that Universal and DreamWorks have announced that 2023, the 17th of November to be precise, will be when Trolls Free drops. No word on plot, cast, directors, but yeah, November the 17th is the day, people. Um, also, Right, uh, another 
well, I'd say this is a hybrid situation. But yeah, Paramount have announced that uh, yeah they are gonna do a sequel to the recently released Clifford the Big Red Dog. So um yeah, if you're enjoying that, well that's coming. You know what I mean? So two things for the kiddies now. This one sounds interesting, right? Because I, we've we've had it like talked about in the past, and nothing ever came. But supposedly, we're getting new Hammer films, people. You know what I mean? Now, Hammer, right? British iconic horror production company brought out films on you know all, all like Dracula, does just. Anything horror, any you know, Frankens, all of all of that jazz, horror fucked with it, right? So, um, yeah, they have teamed up with Network Distributing to create Hammer's Studio Limited. So, what this means is they will be remastering classics like the Quartermass Experiment. You know, Dracula, The Woman in Black, Let Me In, The Lodge. So they'd be, you know, remastering, restoration on all those old things, as well as producing new stuff on that old IP and new shit, right? So, I know, as I said, look, this has been talked about in the past and nothing's happened, so... Let's see what goes down. You know what I mean? Let's see what goes down. Okay, so um, October the 7th, 2022 is going to be when in the, um, well, when Tar drops, right? The new film from Todd Fields, right? So it, it's going to be starring Kate Blanchett, Nina Hose. Uh, Naomi Melorant, Sophie Kuhr, Julian Glover, Mark Strong, Alan Corduna, and Sylvia Lopet. Right, so uh, yeah, it's about Lydia Tarr, first ever female chief conductor of a major German orchestra. So yes, that's coming. Um, yeah, we've got a new indie film dropping soon called The Dress and Sun. It's going to be starring Christina Ritchie and Samantha Wynn, right? Um, Mark Ryan, Michael Ryan is uh, directing. Um, yeah, Richie plays an inventor of a cosmic technology dealing with a recent loved um, dealing with a recent loved one's death. Right? Um, so in the film, a high school cell when a brilliant principled mercenary with a tyrannic past works with a corporate insider to steal a valued asset called the sphere from a major corporation. Um, Jay Leno will be uh, playing um, Ed Sullivan in the upcoming film about Brian Epstein, right? The film's called The Midas Man. And if you don't know, Brian Epstein 
was the manager of the Beatles. Uh, he's going to be played by Jacob Fortune Lloyd. It's being directed by Sarah Sugarman, um, who has just taken over at the helm. So, uh, so we have that. Uh, what else is coming? Um, Okay, we got, yeah, we got some other news, right? So, uh, yeah, we are getting a film called Hope, no, no, called No, right? And um, Hoyt Van Hoytenham, right, um, is, uh, yeah, working on this with, uh, director Jordan Peele, right? So Hoytman will be doing the cinematography. Um, no real details on the film, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, just, I mean, two heavyweights working on it. I mean, that's, that's something, right? Um, we're getting a Bob Marley biopic. Again, this is something that's been talked about for a long last time and we've not seen, but yeah, it looks like this might be coming together at uh, Paramount Pictures. Being directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, who um, directed King Richard. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I think he, he's working with people to to um, yeah, get this popping off. I think Ziggy Marley is producing the film and uh, Green is writing it with Zach Bailey. So, um, oh, man, we'll, we'll see what happens. Supposedly, it will start in 1976 and deal with the making of the, the album Exodus. Right? So, uh, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that one, right? Um, also, uh, Peyton Ryan has, um, yeah, he, he's been working on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, right, which is dropping in 2023. And it does seem that Kanga Conqueror is going to be up in there so you know we we saw this character in uh loki remember people so uh, that's gonna be fun you know what i mean that that should be a lot of fun so this is a surprising one right because you know the the band gorillas right damon alban and all of them peoples well it looks like they're getting a film, right? An animated film, um, which will be coming to Netflix, right? Uh, Damon Album was recently talking to Apple Music, and he said, I'm at Netflix because we're making a full-length Gorillaz film. Um, we're having a writing session in Malibu this afternoon. It's really exciting to do that. It's something we've been wanting to do for a very long time. It's been through so many incarcerations. This gorilla's doing a movie, honestly. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected that shit. But, uh, 
It looks like it, 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 it's happening, people, right? Looks like it is happening. Um, so Casey Affleck has a new film coming. Um, he's teaming up with Lawrence Fishburne, David Morrissey, Toma Capone, um, and Emily Beecham uh, for a film called Slingshot. Yes. Right, so Mikel Hafstron is directing it. Um, R. Scott Adams and Nathan Parker wrote the script. Richard Saperstein is producing. And um, it, it basically follows an astronaut struggling to maintain his grip on reality aboard um, a possible fatal compromise mission to Saturn's moon. Titan could very well be interested. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, also, people, you might be happy to know that January the 11th will be when June Part 1 comes to Blu-ray and DVD. <laughs> but if you can't wait that long, right, the 3rd of December, it's going to be hitting, um, yeah, like digital platforms and also coming to IMAX. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be fun, right? And me, you know? Um, also, this is an interesting one, right? Disney have uh, worked out a deal with HBO, HBO Max, for them to share the 20th Century Studios films, right? So they had an agreement that was going to run out, um, you know, in, in 2022. So they just extended it an extra year. Right, which you know, I mean, I, I, I don't feel this hurts Disney, right? Because I think the people that don't have Disney and only want HBO, they weren't gonna get Disney, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it just opens up the visibility of stuff like Ron's Gone Wrong, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, but then after that, after this new deal. Um, that will be it, right? That will be a, a bust, which, you know, it, I think that makes sense. You know what I mean? I think that makes sense, right? Uh, also, people, um, now this, this is really interesting. I didn't even know it was happening, but we are getting a new Three Musketeers film. Well, actually, people, we'll get two Musketeers films. That's right, right? We're getting Three Musketeers, Dog Tanyon, and then Three Musketeers, Milady, right? So it's going to be a part one, part two situation. And for those that don't know, and God damn it, people, if you don't know, what the fuck? But The Three Musketeers is an epic book from Alexandra Dumas, 
I mean, it's epic. And the other great thing about this situation, so these films are coming from Cafe, and we won't have to wait a year. You know what I mean? Because the first film is going to drop April the 5th, 2023, and the second part of the film will be the 13th of December that same year. So, um, yeah, that's great, right? That's pretty fucking great. So, um, yeah, it's going to be directed by uh, Martin Borbaloon, right? And um, Matteo Della Porte and um, Alexandra Della Patalia are writing the script. Our cast, Milady de Winter, is being played by Eva Green. Uh, D'Artagnan is Francisco Civil. Afos is Vincent Chazelle. Uh, Porfos is Pio Marmay. Uh, Aramis is Roman Duas. King Louis VIII is played by um, Louis Garel. Uh, Queen Anne is being played by Vicky Cripps. Uh, Cardinal Ricalu is being played by Eric Ruff. The Duke of Buckingham is being played by Jacob Fortune Lloyd. Hey, he's, he's up in there again. Constant Bunu is being played by Lina Kuduri. Uh, Captain Treville is being played by Mark Barbie. Uh, the Count Charles is being played by Patrick Milley. And Gaston de France is being played by Julian Fraser. Right now, uh, they are adding a character called Hannibal, right? Who is based on Louis Anna Anniabe, right? Who was the very first black musketeer, which you do kind of feel like, uh, right? So we're gonna, you know, what I mean? force force this into the film. Right, which is like, I, I, yeah, it isn't in the, the book, right? Yeah, hopefully, they don't fuck it up because I love this story and the you know, that that Disney one with Charlie Cheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell. Rebecca De Moyer, Tim Curry. That was fucking great. I love that film. And hey, Dog Tanyon and the Free Musket Hounds. Come on, people. How great was that, right? So hey, I'm I'm hoping they do this shit justice because boy, that is, that is something I I love, people. But yo, that's it. We are done. Um, yeah. Remember, go check out part two, all right? Go check out part two of this week's episode. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. All right?